0: Overlake. That's pretty good. One more time. Hello, Overlake. Oh, you're so good. So beautiful. I love those smiles. Hey, uh, I'm Mike. I'm one of the pastors on the team. Would you do me a favor? Go ahead and grab your notes out of your handout. And you can see that we are jumping into a new series uh, in this month of November. Very, very excited about it. And the whole uh, framework is how we might experience more life. Uh, We all want more life. Every single one of us, every human being, wants to experience more life. What is the more in the the promise of abundant life that Jesus has to offer us and so A key aspect of this invitation, by the way, to live more life is that we would have God's perspective on the stuff in our life, on on the stuff on our calendar, on the stuff in our homes, that we would have God's perspective so that we might have more life. Now, also, the timing is actually quite perfect because this is the month where the entire nation celebrates a holiday. And the holiday is called Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Right. And and so, you know, for one day a year, sort of the whole nation uh, says, hey, you know, we're going to we're going to totally just set aside this day for family and uh, to express gratitude. Right. To be grateful humans. And then the very next day is called Black Friday. And that's when we go nuts and, and buy, you know, everything for Christmas. But. Um, I, I just want you to understand that is, if we're followers of Jesus, which we, so many of us, we are, and an overlay Christian Church says, hey, Jesus is the one that we look to. Jesus is the one we follow. And if we're followers of Jesus then Thanksgiving can't just be a one-day holiday. Thanksgiving has to be the attitude of our hearts, right? That we are people of gratitude, that we're people who are thankful. And, and so that really kind of ties perfectly in with this series that we're jumping into called Less Stuff, More Life. And I want you to know, just I'm gonna give you a glimpse behind the curtain here a little bit, that we had a really difficult time naming this series. They, our creative team got together. We wrestled with all kinds of titles. I'll show you just a few of the titles that, that we were really wrestling through um, you can see it on the screen here. Uncluttered was one of them. Meet the Hoarders. We thought about calling it Give It Away, Give It Away, Give It Away now. Um, uh, you can see, sort of at the end of the list, uh, a, a crew for you know who and live free or hoard hard. Um, those last two were thought up by the creative our, of our directive team here, and uh, uh, the, excuse me, the director of our creative team. And I just want you to know we're looking for a new. Uh, director of our creative team. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but you can sort of see with all those titles where it is that we want to go after in this series. It's sort of a fresh way to approach this topic of how do we live in a material world without becoming material girls, right? Like that's, that's the challenge. So um, I, I want to start with a definition, and, and, and it will, it'll be on the screen. This is compulsive hoarding. Uh, It's also uh, referred to as hoarding disorder or, uh, you know, the nickname dishoarder. No? Okay. Um, It's a pattern of behavior that is characterized, check this out, by the excessive acquisition of an inability or unwillingness to discard large quantities of objects. Hoarding behavior is severe, check this, because the poor insight of the hoarding patient means that they do not recognize it as a problem. Oh, that's tough. Right? Like, wh- one of the key indicators that you have the problem of hoarding is that you don't think you have the problem of hoarding. Now, it is estimated that right now in America, between 2 and 5% of the population are compulsive hoarders, But I would suggest to you that just about all of us are touched with a bit of the malady, right? That that at some place in our life, there is some expression of this idea of hoarding. I found this quote from uh, Dr. Shevlin. It says, never in the history of the world have so many people been so rich. Never in the history of the world have so many of those same people felt themselves so poor. It's a problem. We're rich. We don't see it. We hoard. We don't recognize it. Right? It's the insight that we're missing, and so what we want to do is we really want to sort of um, we, in the series we, we want to get our perspective right. We want to invite the Lord to help us see ourselves as we as we really are, and to help us see the culture as it really is. And 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 because so many of us have just a touch of the malady right, we appreciate greatly people who have it worse than we do, because it makes us feel better about ourselves, right, so there was this television show called Hoarders, just uh, raise your hand if you're familiar with the television show Hoarders, yeah, so many of it, so uh, it was so popular, why, because it was a comfort to watch somebody with a real problem and then go, oh, man, I feel good that I don't have it that bad, right, that guy had 37 cats. I only have 32. It's not even a problem, you know. And um, so I I just want you to know that at Overlake, friends, I I want to introduce you to a a buddy of mine. This is Jay, and Jay worked on the television show Hoarders, and so I've invited him to come and to share a little bit with us. Can you welcome Jay as he comes? Come on up here, buddy. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Well, listen, thank you so much for being here and um, for sharing a little bit of your experience and story with us. Uh, First thing, would you just tell us, what was your role on the television show? I was a
1: field producer, which means um, basically in charge of all logistics and creative in the field outside the studio.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: All right. And how long were
0: you with the show? Uh, The last season. Okay. Season six, the final season. Okay. All right. So you killed it, basically, is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm just I kidding. also uh, did that for Extreme Makeover Home <laughs> Edition. <laughs> 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 you were on Extreme Makeover Edition, too? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's Last cool. season of that show as well. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Sensing a pattern, <laughs> yeah. Jay. Yeah. Hey, um, you had emailed us that you have, uh, you have all kinds of stories. Yeah. And I was yeah. wondering, if, would you be willing to share a Yeah. Story yeah.
1: No, I, as you can imagine, I have some pretty incredible stories. But the, the one that comes to mind is, is about a lady... For her privacy, we'll call her Stacy. Okay. And she was an incredible, loving, caring you know, lady in her 40s uh, who had uh, two daughters that loved her dearly, grandchildren who loved spending time with her. But Stacy hoarded so much stuff. She filled her house with so much stuff. Her children felt it was unsafe for their kids to visit their grandmother. Wow. And you can imagine how devastating that would be for yeah. you know, someone that didn't have this disorder. Right. But for, for Stacy, she chose stuff over her family. And it's hard to imagine, you know, someone doing that. But the feeling she got from hoarding stuff, from collecting all this stuff, uh, just became an addiction that she lost control of. Right, right.
0: Now, at the show, right, you guys come in and you help uh, the situation, yep. right, by sort of divesting all that's being hoarded. Yeah. Um, talk to me about how that process was and then, and then your response, uh, you know, as you visited afterwards. Right, right.
1: Well, yeah, it was, you know, a, a traumatizing week for all involved. You know, mm-hmm. us just being around this situation of someone that's so attached to stuff that has no meaning to us. You know, mm-hmm. thousands of uh, fast food wrappers, you know, in the corner that they could not get rid of one of them. You know, so it, it, was, wow. it was a difficult challenge to, to wrap creative around a situation like that. Yeah. And it was hard for them to let go. Um, but this, this story stands out to me because uh, I visited Stacy a few days after we wrapped this episode And she had already filled her house with all this stuff again, just a couple of days after. So
0: So. the house was clear, and then just a few days later, it was already clear. Already back. I was devastated. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So along those lines, do, do the people on the show, Hoarders, do they ever realize that they have more stuff than they could ever use?
1: No, no, they don't. At the end, you know, we, we, that's our hope and our goal every episode right. to get them to realize that. But no, no, not at all. Total denial.
0: Friends and family can see it. Yes, but they, but absolutely. Friends and
1: family can see it, and they're the ones who contact us. But right, right. Uh, no, total denial.
0: And then just to tie this all back in with the, the message today, um, do you think that the people on your show had more life because they had more stuff?
1: No. Hundred percent assured that they had no, no, Mm -hmm. no, because they actually were drowning, drowning, you know, in a sea of the stuff. They, they, no, my answer is no. (laughs) All right,
0: (laughs) no. I think we're clear on that. (laughs) Hey, can we thank Jay for being here? Jay, thank Thank you you so much for sharing with us. I appreciate that. it's uh, it's amazing to think about. And, and in some regards, I, I think we should take this to heart a little bit. So we hear about a person who attaches emotional value to fast food wrappers and can't throw it away. And and every one of us instantly thinks, oh man, what a mess. But we do the same, right? We We attach emotional value to material goods and then we can't, release them, we, we can't let them go. And, and so you see, right, how this, how this ends up harming us. I, I read a story this week about a guy who uh, just filled his house with stuff. This was in the 40s. And he was so petrified that someone would steal his stuff that he put booby traps all over the, the house. And then one of those booby traps, he set off and it killed him. And then he got buried in his stuff. They couldn't find him forever. <laughs> Aren't you glad you came to church today to hear that story? <laughs> But I want you to understand that what we're talking about is it's a biblical reality. Look what it says in the Bible, right? Ecclesiastes 5.13, hoarding riches harms the saver. Hoarding riches harms the saver. We don't want to be harmed, right? And so that's why the title of this, this is Less Stuff and More Life. We want to experience the more that God has for us. And I know this is going to hit sort of everyone a little bit differently, So I just want you to make it personal if you can uh, today and in the next couple weeks, because not all of us have the same area manifest itself in the same way. So I want you to think for a second. Just a couple of indications. Have Have you ever reached up in a closet and tried to pull something out of that closet and have an avalanche of stuff fall on you? Just show of hands. Anybody? Humbly, honest. Thank you. Thank you for that. How many of you have an area of your garage that you don't go to very often because you have to move stuff in order to get there, and it's just too much darn work? Anybody? Yeah. Um, here, here's a tough one. How many of you have uh, trouble sometimes finding the pair of a, the matching pair of a, uh, shoes because you have so many shoes? Anybody? Uh, shoes? Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> Robin's like, my hand's up the whole time, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> So you see, here's, here's an odd sort of definition of hoarding, but, but I think hoarding also manifests itself with um, fitness equipment. Uh, not because we buy a lot of fitness equipment, but because what we do buy, we use as like the place where we dry our sweaters and dust collecting and how to make our rooms smaller, right? We never actually use the equipment, but we just, we have them. And and that's, again, a a definition, right? A, A small definition of hoarding. And so I don't know where it becomes real in your life, but listen to this. It is real in American culture. Absolutely real. In American culture today, so you just apply whatever fits for you. In American culture today, we have so much stuff that we cannot live comfortably in our homes. So what do we do? We, we buy bigger homes. And then we fill our homes, even the bigger home, and we fill our garages, even the third and fourth car garage. And then we have so much stuff that we can't enjoy our place. So we We rent storage units to put our stuff into. Now, lest you think I'm laying it on too thick, you need to realize that last year, the storage rental business in America did $22 billion worth of work. It is the fastest growing aspect of commercial real estate in our nation. The people who study this stuff say that it is recession-proof. And the reason it's recession-proof is because when the economy is depressed, people are depressed. And when people are depressed, what do they do? They buy more stuff. And they put it in storage. So I just want you to see that this is a reality. And I'm not trying to, to hurt anyone's feelings. I'm not trying to, to get it up in anyone's face. I'm saying we are all in some measure complicit in this. That, 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 that I'm not saying that everyone's mentally ill. Some of you, actually, I I know are, but that's totally different. (laughs) I I just want you to understand that it's important for us to look underneath the hood and to see what is the motivation going on behind why we end up doing some of this stuff. Why is it that that there is this subconscious reality that so many of us buy into that if we had more stuff, then we'd have more life. We have to take a look at that. We have to see, And we have to invite Jesus to come right down in the midst of that so that he could help us live free. So let's just take a look. The title of the message is called More Contentment. And we wanna be more content in our world. We wanna be more content within our own skin. And so here are some of the things, the attitudes and, and the values that we embrace that war against contentment. If you're filling in the blanks, the first one is security. This is why we go after stuff, because it provides for us a sense of security. And I'm just going to say this. We, we all feel, and, and Mike, Mike Howerton too, we feel a little bit more secure if we have a little money set aside in the bank. That if I have, like, like you know, the day we get back from Costco trip, I feel a little more secure because the pantry is full right? That, that somehow we, we, we put our security in, in you know, cash or these things. And, and uh, I, I mean, for me, even I have a drawer where we keep all our coffee in. And when that thing is full of coffee, I feel secure. And when it's not full, I go to the store. Like it's just, it's easy. For, I'm an addict. It's true. I, I just want you to see that, that, that we end up saying somehow subconsciously, we say that my security is in this thing. Now, what's, what's Jesus saying to us in the midst of all this? He's saying, don't worry. Don't worry. He, he says, listen, don't be anxious. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't worry. What Jesus says is, look, you're putting your security in stuff. I want you to put your security in me. You're, gonna, you're, you're building a fortress of material goods. Jesus says, I want to be your fortress. I want to be the rock that you build your life on. The next uh, attitude that's at war with contentment is fear. And we're afraid. We're afraid of going hungry. We're afraid of being homeless. We're afraid of not being able to provide for our families. uh, We could populate a list of things that we're afraid of. I've mentioned my grandmother to you before. My grandma soft. She was so uh, incredible in my life. And I I love her dearly. She was, um, I've I've told you before, there's like one person in my life that so consistently showed unconditional love. It was my grandma Saf. I love her. So I'm not bringing this up because I want to run her down. I, I couldn't love her more. But my grandma Saf was a child of the Depression in the Midwest. She lived her whole life in Kansas, this tiny town in Kansas. And because she came through that time in the Depression, because they, they never had much money at all growing up and, and even all the way through her life, what my grandma would do is she would get her security and she would, she would um, address the fear that she had by, by getting a lot of stuff. So when you open up the pantry, it wouldn't be one box of jello, it would be 27 boxes of jello. Open up the freezer, it wouldn't be one tub of ice cream, it would be 14. And so I just, I, I, I just say this to tell you that I get that the fear is real. I, I really do. But I also understand what Jesus wants to say to us in the midst of our fear. He wants to whisper his love to us, right? He wants to say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. I am with you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I will not abandon you. So we go after security and stuff. We, we go after, you know, it's fear motivates us. Meanwhile, Jesus is right here being our fortress and our shelter. Uh, the next attitude that we have is that this attitude that there's not enough to go around. There's not enough to go around. If you want to jot this down, it's an attitude of scarcity is what it is. It's a mindset of scarcity. And um, sometimes it's called a zero-sum game. What that means is if I have one pie and there are 10 of us sitting around the pie, and I cut myself a big piece of pie, that means you get less of a piece of pie. Does that make sense? Zero-sum game. Limited resource, idea of scarcity, and we're going to have to divide this out equally. It's actually what drives so much of our economy today, um, the the idea that um, I've got to fight you for my piece of the pie. But I want you to understand, right, that that is not what God math is all about. We, we've talked about this all fall. God math is way bigger. And, and in, in, this, in this kingdom idea, God math says that generosity lifts all of us up, right? What Jesus wants to say to you today, if, if, if that's a fear that there's not enough to go around, what Jesus wants to say is I'm all that you need. In fact, I am more than enough. I'm more than enough. The next fill in the blank is the cultural values that are all around us. And the cultural value, the predominant one, is that more is more. That if you have a, a need in your heart, you've got a hunger, you've got a thirst, you've got a loneliness, all you need to do is purchase this product. All you need to do is go after this thing or this idea, uh, and it only costs this much for the easy payments of this and the... You see where it goes. And, and so the cultural values are, are, you know, the one who dies with the most toys wins. But what Jesus wants you to understand is, listen, your your true worth and your net worth are nothing alike. Your net worth is no indication uh, of, of what your true worth is. And you want to know how how much something is worth, you just look for what someone is willing to pay for it. That's how worth is is valued. And Jesus says, you're worth so much that I gave everything for you. You're, you're worth so much to me that I laid down my life for you. you. You're of infinite worth to me. And that has nothing to do with, uh, you know, h- h- how much money you have in the bank, how much money you have set aside for retirement, what your, what your estate is worth. Nothing. Okay? So that's what cultural value is. Retail therapy, of course, we referred to earlier. If I'm feeling down, I'll just buy this. And it does work, friends. I just want you to know it works for like 40 minutes, and then it fades. And what Jesus wants you to know if you go after retail therapy is you are more than enough, that you don't need that other thing to be better, to look better, to, to pump yourself up No, no, you are more than enough. He's more than enough, and so are you. We don't get better through purchasing. And the last feeling here is the, the idea of entitlement. The cultural value says that not only should you want it all, you deserve it all, right? And not only do you deserve it all, but you deserve it all now. Just put it on MasterCard. And that's the entitlement piece. Right now, you can have it all, and you deserve it all. And here's what... Jesus says, Matthew 16, 26, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Right? What he's really saying, just the paraphrase is, having it all is a poor trade for your heart. Having it all is a poor trade for your heart. And these are the attitudes that war with contentment, and they prompt us They they propel us down this road of hoarding, of gathering more stuff to ourselves so that we experience less life. Now, there are a couple of antidotes, and I want to shift now into how do we move to the positive. Antidote number one is we approach generosity with the attitude of Christ. Approach generosity with the attitude of Jesus. In Philippians 2, it says we must have the same attitude of Christ Jesus who left the splendor of heaven and the glory of being with the Father, and he chose to live simply and in poverty and to give his whole life so that we might experience salvation. That's Jesus. Jesus is the one who gave it all. Jesus teaches us that we have received freely, now we're to give freely. Right? That's the attitude that he wants us to have. In fact, in the most famous verse in all scripture, John 3.16, Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave. That he gave. Our God is a giving God. Not only did he give Jesus so that we might be saved, but God gives and he continues to give. He pours out his provision again and again and again. Right? These are the attitudes that we are to embrace if we're gonna approach this generosity with his idea in mind. I want you to think about Jesus for a second. And I want you to think about the life that he lived. Jesus lived in poverty, but he wasn't impoverished. J- Jesus lived simply, right? And, and yet he did it with an incredible amount of uh, profundity, that, that he, he was the most profound person that ever lived. And he did it with this intentionality. And the reason why Jesus could live simply and live in poverty, but yet be so profound, is he knew that his father is not the God of scarcity. He knew that his father is the God of abundance, and so he was operating out of that connection with the Lord and he was living in the abundance of his father every single day of his life. Of course, friends, that's what we are invited to live as well. Jesus says in Luke 6:38, give away your life, you'll find life given back, but not merely given back, given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting is the way. Generosity begets generosity. These last couple of weekends, my wife Jody and I have been invited to fundraisers for a couple of different causes, and they're worthy causes and noble, and so it's been kind of interesting for me, these two events, to look at the faces of those who are participating in these fundraisers, right? And you know both of them had these silent auctions and then live auctions, and both of them had some energy and momentum around the room. And as I'm looking at the faces of those who are participating, as I see the challenge to give and these, these people embracing generosity for the good of others, what I see in their faces is joy. I see this, it's, it's suddenly now this openness and this freedom as, as they give of their resources to bless somebody else, I see more life flowing into them. And friends, that's what we want. We really want this idea of more life, right? And so less stuff is a part of that. The next antidote is practice contentment. Practice contentment. That we would um, be a content people. And the scripture says in 1 Timothy 6, 8, So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. If we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. It's a. I guess that's a little bit of uh, confusing, right? Enough clothing. Who has enough clothing? I don't. Know. We don't have enough. That's why we keep gathering more. Uh, here, here's what I'd like for you to do. I like you to just look around the room for a second. Over like we've done this before. I just I, you've heard me say this. You you're a beautiful church. You really are. And and you're you're gorgeous. And you're hip. And and you're all dressed appropriately. You're all you know, wearing you know mostly stylish clothing. And you Look around, and, but, but here's what I want you to notice as you look around, that, that you, you, you are, kind of bottom line, you, you are dressed, right? Like n- nobody's undressed among us. Right? Uh, I don't see any, haven't ever, uh, in, been here nine years, naked people on Sunday morning. Are, are we following? It's, it's not clothing optional, which is fine, but I'm just saying even more the the point, you all have clothes to wear. Are you getting it? Can I get an Amen. All right, Now you got and the deal is I don't see any of you wasting away you know of hunger like there's you've all eaten. Just show of hands in the last 3 days how many of you have had some food? Anybody? All right. So so I don't know what enough is, right? Enough food or enough clothing, but here you are, you know, and you and you're fed relatively speaking, you get a little hungry, it's close to noon, but uh, and and you're clothed. So we must practice contentment. And the reason why I use the word practice is is because I'm not good at it. And I need to practice. And that's the reason why I'm challenging you. I, I think the reason why we need to practice contentment is because we're not naturally good at it. And so I would encourage you, practice contentment. Last week, I challenged you to read Psalm 23. Do you remember how it starts? The the psalm starts, especially in the King James Version. It's the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I want to practice contentment. I I don't have needs. I'm not always looking to the ends of the earth for what I can acquire. I'm going to be content, okay? And so the question I would ask, how can I shift from the mindset of getting what I want to the mindset of wanting what I've got? How can I shift from the mindset of fear and that I always need to gather to myself because there's not enough to go around, how can I shift to the mindset of generosity and the attitude of Christ? And the last question, how can I focus on true wealth? 1 Timothy 6, 6, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. God wants us to be wealthy. He wants us to be wealthy like this. And so I want to challenge you to apply these antidotes and to experience more contentment in your life. And, and so the, the, the topic that we're going to go after this series really is this idea of, of uncluttering, that we want to unclutter our minds, we want to unclutter our schedules, we want to unclutter our garages and our closets and, and that kind of thing. And, and so I really want to challenge you over these uh, next couple of weeks to make these ideas practical in your life. So the very first one I'm going to challenge you to is to unclutter your life to enjoy more. Unclutter to enjoy. And the premise really is that less stuff really does equal more life. It's not that I want you to have less stuff so that you can have less life. I want you to have less stuff so that you can have more life. And the reality is so many of us have so much stuff that we don't even enjoy the stuff that we do have. I've shared before of this story of a man, a very, very wealthy man at the beginning of the last century. He was so wealthy, one of the top, you know, four or five wealthiest individuals on planet earth. And he had this huge art collection and and it, just so much. And he had it displayed in his home and he had these other properties that he had it at and he had, um, you know, he's given it to museums and stuff, but he just loved to acquire art. And so one day he's flipping through some, you know, uh, you know art history kind of a book and he sees a. a, a peace. And he just desires it so greatly. So he hires a guy to come like an Indiana Jones type of a guy. He says, look, here's the peace that I want and scour the earth. And here's, you know, all that you need to to go anywhere and, and make sure that you bring me back this art. And so the guy takes off and he scours the earth. Five years he's gone. And then he comes back to the wealthy man. And he says, I've got some good news that that you can have this peace and it will cost you far less than you think. And the man said, well, great. Where is it? And the man said, it's in your basement. (laughs) He had so much stuff. He had so many pieces of art, right, that he couldn't even enjoy what he had. Now, friends, I I want you to think about that. Think about that in your life. Think about that in your schedule. Think about that in your garage, right, That, that, that there is so much stuff that we have. So we unclutter it. So that we can enjoy. If our lives are too full, we enjoy nothing. With less stuff, we're going to enjoy more. And the practical example of this is, is you probably saw on your way in. In the hallway, we've put up a big um, chalkboard. And on one half of it, it says, less stuff means. And we're inviting Overlake, uh, as a family, we're inviting just to be humble and to share. Less stuff means, and what do I need to clear out? Where, where do I need to declutter? And then the next half is is more life means. And what is it that we think God is inviting us into? What is that promise that Jesus is prompting us into? As we release some of this stuff, what is it that we're going to walk into? And I would encourage you to take a moment today and go ahead and spend some time at that board. Fill it out. The next fill-in is that we not only unclutter to enjoy, but we unclutter to give. We unclutter to give. That... That as we unclutter, we realize not only are we enjoying more life, but we're blessing others with the stuff that we are uncluttering. And it's true with our calendars as well, right? When you, when you unclutter your schedule, when, when you remove it from everything that's not absolutely essential, what you will find, you'll discover more time. And what you can do with that time is you can bless others with it, right? You can build relationships. You can invest in friendships that the quality of your life then rises. You're enjoying more and you're blessing others. Does that make sense? So I want you to make this really practical in your world. And so my wife will attest, I live this this week. I want to bring hard challenge, but I also want to live the hard challenge I'm bringing. You're like, oh, great. Pastor likes to practice what he preaches. That's always good. And a preacher. So here's what I did. This week, I cleaned out my closet closet was a mess, I had a ton of stuff in it, just all, you know, just junk and clothes, and clothes are supposed to be there, but junk not, and so I just had all this stuff, so I cleaned out my closet, and I, I went through it, and I, I made these, like, three huge piles of clothes, right, we got a picture over here, in fact, that, that green plaid shirt on the side, uh, my buddy Lee was like, hey, that's my shirt, you know, and I was, oh, great. <laughs> all this stuff, you know, and I I just, I I grabbed all these, these, uh, you know, and, and straightened everything and washed everything and 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 I I found a watch. I found this, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm enjoying more. I didn't know I had this watch. I put it on. I'm like, oh, it fits. It's so great. I love this watch. You're like, hey, Pastor Mike, what time it is? Well, let me tell you. Actually, it's broken. I can't tell you, but I'll get it fixed. But I was so stoked to find this watch and I go to my wife, Jody. Oh, look, look at this watch. Don't you think it's cool? She's like, yeah, I bought that for you. Oh, oh so much junk that I can't even enjoy the stuff that I've been given. and, and uh, So, um, so what, what did I do with all that, right? What, I just want you to know, if you can look at the back of your outline, you see that there are all kinds of, of places to divest stuff. And the reason why we chose these places is because we think many of them are doing great kingdom work. You know, if you have baby kind of stuff, anything related to baby, early years, that we want to bless our special delivery with that. And uh, so you can see a couple of options there on the back of your outline. What I did with all of the, that stuff from my closet is I gave it to the Salvation Army at the Fred Meyer and Redmond. Just went and dropped it off. And, and so here's what I'm, I'm literally asking you to do that. And the reason why I'm asking you to do it is because I am convinced that there are hundreds of thousands of dollars of kingdom resource available in our closets. There are hundreds of thousands of dollars available in our garages right now. And all I'm asking is that we would, we would do this work and we would unclutter so that we could enjoy more, that we would unclutter so that we could bless. I cleaned out my closet. I found a watch. I'm gonna do my garage next week. I'm hoping to find a motorcycle. All right, like... <laughs> I want you to join me in this, that we would unclutter, that we would, we would make these antidotes real in our life by taking this practical step. And the last one, if you're filling in the blanks, is that I want to challenge you to grow your tithe by 1%. That we, we would embrace this challenge. We would grow our tithe by 1%. So just take a look at the amount you're currently giving to the Lord, whatever that percentage is, bump it by 1%. And when you do this, this is what you're saying. By doing this, you're saying, my life comes from you, Jesus, and not from my finances. My life comes from you, Lord, and not from my cash. Now, some of you are already incredibly generous, and I want to just say thank you for that. Thank you for walking the road of generosity. Thank you for walking the road of financial faithfulness. My wife, Jody and I are honored to be on this road with you. Thank you so much. Uh, Even there. I want to challenge you. Take a look. Is there another percent? And by doing that, you're saying, my salvation is not in cash. My salvation is in the Lord Jesus. For those of you who are here who are not giving anything to the Lord, I want to challenge you to bump it by 1%, right? That you would begin the process. You would jump in. Here's what I want you to notice. Notice how it feels. Notice how it feels to give. 1%. Notice if you even recognize that that 1% is gone. Notice the hold that money has on you and how it seems to be relaxing its hold as you continue to give. Okay? A couple months left in the year, my challenge is that we would bump our tide by 1% through the end of the year. And what I want to do as I close this thing is I want to bring it all back to Jesus. Because you need to understand that Jesus, Jesus is the prince of peace. What is contentment? Contentment is a part of the peace that he brings. Let me put it this way. Overlake, I want you to be at home in your own skin. I want you to be content with the person that you are as you walk humbly with the Lord. I want you to experience freedom from the things in this world and this culture that want to keep you in bondage. And so my challenge for you is that you would walk humbly with the Lord. In your heart right now, there is a throne. And on that throne, there is only one who is worthy of being the king of your life. Unfortunately, what we do is we pile all kinds of stuff on that throne. We get it cluttered with all kinds of things and we get off track. And so this is one of those reminders that we, we unclutter everything and, and we remove everything that's potentially on the throne of our hearts so that Jesus can dwell there unrivaled and so that we can be content. I wanna close. I found this incredible old prayer by a guy named Tozer. I want to read this to you. I want you to pray with me with your eyes open as it's on the screen. And then we'll close in prayer right after. But this is what Tozer said almost a century ago. Father, I want to know thee, but my coward heart fears to give up its toys. I cannot part from them without inward bleeding, and I do not try to hide from thee the terror of the parting. I come trembling, but I do come Please root from my heart all those things which I have cherished so long and which have become a very part of my living self, so that thou mayest enter and dwell there without a rival. Then shall my heart have no need of the sun to shine in it, for thyself will be the light of it, and there shall be no night there. In Jesus, we do pray that prayer today. Lord, as we think about the throne of our heart, we want to remove everything that is not you. We, we want to lay it all down. And we realize, Lord Jesus, that your invitation is not that we would have less stuff so that we would have less life. It's not that we would live more simply so that we would endure more hardship. Lord Jesus, your invitation is that we would lay down the stuff that gets in the way of the abundant life you have for us. So please show us what it looks like for us to unclutter our minds, to unclutter our calendars, and to unclutter the places in which we live and work because we want you to have free reign in us. We want you to dwell unrivaled on the throne of our hearts. And we love you, Jesus. We thank you for coming for us. We thank you for pursuing us. We thank you for forgiving us and for gracing us and for bringing your abundant life to us. We embrace it now in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.